So how was your Thanksgiving? For us and our family, it was it was nice. Uh, it was quaint. Uh, we were thankful, but we were also sad. We were sad that we couldn't be with our physical family. Uh, we were sad that we couldn't be with our spiritual family. Uh, we were sad that uh, those moments that we remember of everybody gathering around the large table uh, uh, was not what we experienced this year. There was some sadness. And then I was also sad for so many families uh, within our Sunset family, but then even um, throughout uh, the, the states who this Thanksgiving, when they sat down, there was an empty seat uh, because there was someone who had passed that would normally be sitting there. And this year in particular, we've had so many deaths and so many uh, difficult moments. Uh, perhaps others are still either hospitalized or in, in a home or in some sort of uh, place where they can't be with the family. And, and so there was sadness. Now, the Bible calls these sad feelings lament. And you'll find a lot of examples of lament in the Psalms. Another place you'll find them is in the prophets. And that's where our text for today comes from. We'll be looking at Isaiah chapter 64 in just a minute. So go ahead and get your Bibles or pull it up on your screen if you'd like to. Isaiah chapter 64. Today is the first day and begins the season of Advent. On the church calendar, it's the beginning of the new year. And uh, this is the time when we begin thinking about the coming of Jesus and preparing our homes for Christmas, but our hearts and souls for the coming and the birth of our Lord and Savior. Now, when we think about New Year's, we typically think of a lot of different festive, celebrative kind of activities, and we don't tend to think about darkness or repentance. We definitely don't think about lament. And it might seem strange to begin this season of Advent, this season of talking about Jesus' coming uh, with lament. But, but isn't that precisely when we begin to look for God? when we're experiencing some sort of pain or some sort of trouble or some sort of loss. And so we're going to work through Isaiah chapter 64. Uh, the text kind of divides itself into three sections, one through four, verses 1 through 4, 5 through 7, and then 8 through 12. And uh, um, I'll have some comments about each of those sections as we read. So, so let's read Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 4. Now this is a prayer. This is a plea from Isaiah's heart. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fires cause wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. And since the world began, no eye has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Our text, Isaiah begins his prayer talking about quaking mountains, burning wood and boiling water. And those are all metaphors for the power that God's presence can affect once it comes his prayer, his lament is that God has been hidden and he's begging God to break through the heavens, to rip open the heavens, to come down and once again rescue his people. 
those who are caught in oppression, those who are caught in some sort of difficult situation. Isaiah is agonizing because God seems to be hidden and he's asking for God to come. The prayer will conclude with that same note. And so really this entire chapter, verses 1 through 12, is a prayer begging God to come into our presence, to come onto this earth and to act. What makes the hiddenness of God even more difficult is, as the text remembers, God has done awesome deeds for his people in the past. As God's people, we can grow complacent and we can grow careless with his presence and, and, and his providence and his protection. And we can take it for granted that God's always going to be there. And then when we look and we realize that we've neglected God and we realize that he's not there, then we begin to cry out. God's refusal to do a Red Sea kind of deliverance uh, 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 doesn't mean that God has abandoned his people or has abandoned us. Throughout this pandemic, many of you and many of us have prayed, God, please just save the world. We have been praying for a vaccine and we had hoped that it would come sooner rather than later, even though vaccines take up to a decade to produce. We've asked for a Red Sea kind of a deliverance, but that's not the kind of deliverance we've received. But our hope doesn't rely on God rescuing us every single time, snatching us from the flames of fire, as it were. But it does rely on God being the same God yesterday, today and tomorrow. And our hope does rely on a God who hears and a God who has promised that he will not abandon us and a God who has promised that he will redeem us and redeem this earth in that future time when he brings the new heaven and the new earth. So after this initial plea of God burst through the heavens and come down, Isaiah then transitions into a few verses of confession, verses five through seven. We read, you welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you've been very angry with us and we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. And, and yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned us away. You have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. Isaiah acknowledges that because of Israel's sin, God has hid himself. He has allowed them to follow the path of their sin. God has allowed them to, to, go, to, to go where they were determined to go. God didn't push them down the path. He didn't force them down the path. He allowed them to go where their heart wanted to go. He gave them that freedom. And they chose, and much like sin that we find ourselves enwrapped in today and, and covered with, one sin leads to another and we continue to accumulate and we continue to live in this vicious circle and cycle of sin. 
And our righteousness is like filthy rags. You know, when when you hear those words or you read those words, I don't know what comes to your mind. I've always imagined a mechanic who has dirty, greasy pile of rags over in the corner of his shop. The Hebrew for these words is actually quite different. It's much more shocking. The Hebrew words point back to soiled feminine hygiene products. And it's a graphic way of saying that even our best actions, when we operate apart from God, even the very best we do is really unclean and fall short of God's holiness. We get wrapped up in our pride and our righteous thinking and thinking we're doing such wonderful things when the reality is quite different. The reality, the result of our sin is that we fade like leaves falling off a tree this time of year. A tree, a a leaf that loses its grip on the tree and then is carried away by the wind. You, You don't see those fallen leaves trying to reconnect to the tree. And in the same way, Israel was not trying to reconnect with God. They were happy to be free from the tree and they were happy to be blown by their own desires. And so Isaiah finishes this chapter with a repeated plea of God's for God's presence in their lives. Verse eight says, and yet, O Lord, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. So so don't be angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray and see that we are all your people. Your holy cities are destroyed and Zion is a wilderness and yet Jerusalem, yes, Jerusalem is a desolate ruin. The holy and beautiful temple where your ancestors praised you has been burned down and all the things of beauty are destroyed. After all this, Lord, must you still refuse to help us? Will you continue to be silent and punish us? This plea for God's presence comes from the very heart of Isaiah's desire. Surely, surely God will break this cycle. He will stop the punishment and restore his people to himself. And the way Isaiah functions as a mediator between God and the people is to ask God to remember that he is our father and he is the potter. In contrast to an image of a a superhero hidden behind the stars waiting for the moment to 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 come down in a flash of glory. Isaiah says, remember that you are a father, you're a potter. A much more close and personal connection. This points to an image of God that's more like an artist and a parent than a superhero. God forms and shapes The people as a father shapes his children over time, as a parent shapes his children. As a potter lovingly molds the clay. And with this image, Isaiah is calling on the people to be malleable in God's hands, to allow themselves to be molded, to allow God to work and form them into a people of blessing. God might be disappointed with our behavior. 
He, he might have allowed us to engage in self-destructive behavior. He might have allowed us to shrivel up and die like leaves and get blown by the wind. But God's purpose was never, never has been and never will be our own destruction. God's hope is the hope of a father. That hope that we will always, at the end of the day, even after our sins, return to him. So what is this text leading us to do this Advent season, this time of waiting? Well, that's the first. We wait. In, in verse 4, we read that God works for those who wait for him. And throughout Scripture, uh, God's people have been admonished to wait to wait for the Lord is to live in faith, to live in the expectation that uh, the Lord's compassions never fail, that, that his mercies never come to an end, and that his faithfulness is great. To wait for the Lord means to see beyond our current circumstances and know that God will ultimately work out his purpose in our lives. Waiting for the Lord means that while God is great, he can also be gradual or slow when it comes to the way God moves and the way God acts and the way God is present in our lives. God can be torturously slow. I don't know how you view the slowness of God. But maybe God is slow because we're not ready for what he wants to bring to us and where he wants to take us. I think of that verse in 2 Peter chapter 3 that says, God isn't really being slow about his promise to send Jesus, as some people think. No, he is being patient for our sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And that leads us to the second thing we can do in this time of waiting. As we wait, God's slowness gives us opportunity to repent. You might be thinking, repent of what? <laughs> I've been a pretty good person, haven't been able to do a lot of the things that I might have done before. Let me just suggest that the seven deadly sins might be a good place to, to start. As I was thinking about this this week, I was amazed at how easy these sins creep into our lives, even in the midst of a pandemic. Have you been tempted or succumbed to the temptation of any of the following? Pride? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't get sick because somehow I'm better than that person. I wasn't as careless. I wasn't as greed. Yeah, I don't need just one four-pack of toilet paper. I need the whole stinking row. <laughs> Anger? I couldn't get what I wanted. I can't do what I want. I'm so frustrated. Envy? I can't believe they're getting what I have worked hard for. How can they receive something that I didn't get? Lust? Evidently, numbers for pornographic sites have gone through the roof during these months of pandemic. These last two are way too personal to be some sort of abstract thinking or concept. 
gluttony, pandemic pounds were there. And then the last is sloth or laziness. This list of traditional sins or this traditional list of sins has been around for quite some time and I was just shocked at how accurate they describe feelings that we might be feeling at this time of pandemic. Now, some might be tempted to say, well, I didn't start the fire, I didn't start the pandemic, and so that means I'm not responsible for what happens. Well, that kind of thinking is right up there with what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It won't fly with us, with your family, and definitely not with God. So while we wait in this time of Advent, we wait, we repent, and then third, we hope and trust. We hope and trust in God that this trouble we're facing will not be the last chapter of our story. C.S. Lewis once wrote, the Christian faith is a thing of unspeakable joy, but it does not begin with joy, it rather despair, and it is no good to try and reach the joy without first going through the despair. Our world Our lives are filled with despair, with loss, with hopelessness. Even our best and brightest don't have the answers that we're looking for. There is no government, no political party. There is no relationship with any person on earth. There is no Black Friday special that will save us from this mess that we've created and we find ourselves in. Our only hope is to beg with Isaiah the prophet, oh, that you would burst through the heavens and come down. And while we wait, we ready our souls and hearts. As many of you have been busy these last days preparing your home for Christmas, let me encourage you to spend some time tonight in the early darkness of the night Light a candle, sit and reflect. How can, you re- how can you prepare your heart and your soul for the coming of the Lord? We wait, we repent, and we hope. We would love to help you with, your, uh, 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 with prayer, with, with confession, with baptism, in whatever way that you would have a spiritual need. Please reach out to one of us. To the website, you can put a note in the chat and we'll do our best to follow up and touch base with you. May God bless this time of waiting and it may, be, may it be a productive time that will find us closer to the Lord by the time we come to the end of this season. Uh, Jeff Henson, one of our elders, is here and will lead us now in a prayer for the various petitions and needs that we have among our people. God bless you.